Hello, I'm horror cartoonist Dennis St. John. I draw monsters and write twisted tales. As you can imagine, I was a little obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Lucky for me, so were most of my high school friends, all except one. One friend who stubbornly refused to join the Scoobies. So here we are, 20-some-odd years later. I'm teaming up with Doc Travis, John Teach Landis, and maybe a special guest or two. And we're going to make our friend, Michael Poli, watch one episode of Buffy Week until he's no longer the Buffy Virgin. Welcome to Buffy Virgin, a spoiler-free Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast. Uh, We're going to be putting the fun in funeral. It's season five, episode 17, forever. I'm your host, monster expert, Dennis St. John. Why don't uh, you guys introduce yourself uh, from most to least likely to break an egg while running out of a cave? Hello, my name is John Landis. I am extremely likely to break things in general, regardless of uh, whether they're eggs or not. Uh, and running out of a cave sounds like something I would probably do at some point in my life. That seems on brand. <laughs> my name is Michael. I'm the Virgin. I've only seen Buffy up to season five, episode 17. And I have definitely broken at least one egg, moving it from the hen house into my house. So it, it's just, it's very easy to, they're delicate things called eggs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> We're going to skip reactions this week and move uh, right into the summary. The summary. We come today to Barry Joyce Summers, art gallery manager, holy mother of Buffy, the one true slayer, and 14-year-slash-four-month-old Don, angsty teen and mysterious key. In the name of the mother, the daughter, and the holy key... Amen. On the night of Joyce's funeral, we believe Buffy was visited by temptation in the form of hunky vampire Angel, who came from Los Angeles and to Los Angeles must return. We believe as Scoobies in one holy slayer, slayer from slayer, true fight to true fight, grace to you, Buffy Summers. Amen. We look to the resurrection of the dead, and the life of the world to come, in the form of an adventure for Don Summers onto the underworld with Spike, the bleached blonde vampire, as they meet the prophet and fight three-headed dinosaurs for magic eggs, we believe as Scoobies in one key, light to light, true key to true key, grace to you, Don Summers. Lead her not unto temptation, but deliver Don and Buffy from zombie Joyce, in the name of the Mother, the Daughter, and the Holy Key. Amen. All right, thank you. Now let's uh, go into Great Lines. Great Lines. Well, for the second episode in a row, the best line is Buffy saying, Mommy? Uh, pretty chilling. And it, it works even the second time. Yeah, technically this is the third week in a row where this where you could have called this. Oh, really? That's right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, I liked uh, Spike's little monologue. Um, I liked the lady. Understand, monkey boy? She was decent. Didn't put on airs. Always had a nice cuppa for me. And she never treated me like a freak. Her mistake. I like the line from Anya when she's kind of getting defensive about her job at the magic box. Oh, you have a hand. A paid hand. 
hand that isn't the hand of illegal child labor. Nice, nice. <laughs> All right, uh, let's do the kill count. The kill count. So, um, this is the third week in a row where it was like, do I count Joyce's being killed again? This time in zombie form. Um, <laughs> uh, so we can kind of count that, I guess. Uh, and, uh, I've seen on some Buffy, uh, sites that they count the Gora demon as being killed this episode, but I see no evidence of that. So oh. I do not count that. Uh, and we can get to that later. Um, Let's go on to uh, Weird Notices and Trivia. Weird Noticings. It gets called out while they're looking at, you know, different caskets, but Dawn definitely shouldn't have been invited. <laughs> like, she's uh, a little, she's not in shoppers, like the mood to shop for this kind of thing. And this this feels like a very adult shopping trip when you shop for the casket i think giles is an appropriate bring along but don needs to get uh needs to hang out with willow or something i was just surprised but i'm glad they called it out immediately yeah well i think there's a lot of buffy not knowing what to do with don this episode um but the episode focuses more on don because this is a don point of view episode which is interesting uh not many of those so far and when they're hanging out back at the house, what are they eating? It looks like they're just eating infinite salad. <laughs> like maybe some wait, eggs and like some wait, bricks sorry. of mac and cheese or something. Is infinite salad just the name of the uh, salad at Olive Garden? <laughs> All the salad with the uh, infinite symbol, please. <laughs> <laughs> just that they're talking about the wake and they're talking about, you know, like kind of the, the next steps after, you know, Joyce is buried. And like, just for whatever reason, it looked like kind of the food that people bring to your house after a loved one dies, like to kind mm-hmm. of feed you. That's like from the store, like a store presentation of food. And it just struck me as interesting because you almost you rarely see characters eat. Um, yeah. And so it's not the most interesting part of the scene. The most interesting part is the the weirdness about the, um, you know, what to do after the funeral. And that jo- yeah. <laughs> that Joyce has had a private conversation with Buffy and Dawn is so hurt. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so they talk about um, Buffy's dad, Hank. And I was like, does Buffy's dad know Don? Does he remember Don? I think he does. And I th- the reason I think he does is because I think Angel does. Ah, So yeah. we know Don remembers Angel. I feel like in this episode, it's not clear, but it seems like Angel remembers Don. Probably. It'd be really weird if he didn't. And I so if like, Angel yeah. does, I think, I think Buffy's dad does. Right. Although, yeah, Just, it'd be really bizarre if, uh, if he didn't. <laughs> it's hard to imagine. <laughs> Just be like, my estranged daughter. Zzz. Oh, no. <laughs> really not stepping up here, Hank. <laughs> I mean, if he didn't know, it would just be like moments before he was killed. Right. I mean, that's that would be the great. Great reveal of that information. Maybe he's a monk. What does Hank do? I don't know. Apparently he goes to Spain (laughs) and lives there, but doesn't uh, stay there very long. (laughs) I think a couple episodes ago, or maybe it was even a season ago, Buffy said something about like how he's living in Europe with 
his secretary live in the cliche. Remember that line. Right. Okay, that's the last update from Hank. That's his last <laughs> tweet. Gone to Europe. <laughs> so, does everyone else think that Don inviting herself to Willows was super inappropriate? I mean, I'm curious why you think that or why you want to police the uh, desires of uh, this child who's just lost her mother. I just think, you know, when you're like, can I go to your place? It's kind of a weird question that I, I, guess, yeah. I guess I haven't been in high school or junior high in a while. But that's like an odd question to ask, but also someone that is like an adult, more or less, right? And it's not... It's not like an adult like who owns a house. It's an adult who has a dorm. A giant so, dorm room. But well, yes, the your world's biggest like, dorm room. <laughs> she yeah, definitely killed her roommate and magicked her away so she could have that extra space. No, I think, I mean, I, yes, I agree with you that there is a general uh, rule of etiquette that you never invite yourself over. And I was taught this as a child, not to invite myself over to other people's places. That said... Given the circumstances, I think Dawn's allowed some leeway. Yeah, so, and I, I mean, kids being, she's still a kid, so it is like, uh, the rules don't apply as much, right? Yeah. But yeah, it, she doesn't apparently have, like, friends her age she can stay with, you know? Which is sad. Well, I guess at least she doesn't want to go hang out with Spike or something. <laughs> <laughs> right now apparently willow's just as dangerous <laughs> yeah totally. i was saying tara gets all of the mom points and willow gets none yeah willow does not know how to handle this situation appropriately she leaves all. the book out what the heck <laughs> you just told her not to do it and then you leave it out for her? i'm the cool aunt who gives you <laughs> drugs <laughs> as long as you do them in the dorm yeah <laughs> Totally an excuse to do something messed up at Willow's. Can I go to Willow's where I'm not supervised and <laughs> by a witch who's pretty cool? <laughs> Let's make those bears dance. Oh, so damn. So Spike showing up was kind of surprised because he didn't show up at all during the, you know, the previous episode, right? During the uh, body. And then here he is. Uh, with flowers, which is actually a very sweet moment, you know, at first, you know, of him talking about Joyce and like his own unique relation with Joyce, which I thought was um, that's really f great. I like it when someone has their own kind of story to tell and brings it. And you'd kind of seen that Joyce Spike relationship. And it's yeah. it's really it feels really genuine. But at the same time, also, <laughs> fuck this guy. Xander's so right. And Willow's kind of on Spike's side. She like totally falls for his charisma spell or whatever. <laughs> But like this guy is a creep he is a vampire he definitely tried to kill you don't you guys remember this uh <laughs> but that, he, that he hasn't tried to kill them in weeks yeah but this does feel like the 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 sort of the the ending of a certain plot arc uh that uh we know that uh joyce and spike had this this kind of weird bond that was always kind of like buried at the back of the plot and it's nice to see that this has this nice little payoff at the end yeah I will say that I think Joyce always likes Spike more than Angel. Uh, I think that, that doesn't true? say uh, great things about uh, Joyce's uh, ability to judge character, but. <laughs> I mean, Spike is literally, he's way more charismatic than Angel, so I can understand why you'd like him more. 
Angel would just, he's really much better at brooding. Throws off a creepy vibe. Yeah. He definitely throws, he's always throwing off the creepy vibe. Spike at least makes an off, like tries she, to be your friend. And she's met Angelus by accident, you know? Like, yeah. right. <laughs> Spike hasn't turned on her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shoot. But he's but always he's, also been honest, or he's like, the first time that they hang out in the house, she's like, have we met before? And he's like, remember the time you swung an axe at my head and was like, stay away from my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. The, the, it kind of ends though with Willow saying like, uh, where's my card or whatever, like, or there wasn't a card with it. So it's just flowers. Like Spike doesn't have some other message. Like he wasn't trying to get with Buffy, I think is the point. Mm-hmm. He didn't have some other thing to say. I thought that was that's kind of weird, but because, again, Willow has completely taken Spike's side. So I'm concerned because that might mean in a future episode that Willow's like, maybe you should get with Spike. Because <laughs> she's way more as sympathetic to his like, I don't know, whatever his his energy, his charisma, whatever it is that Spike's given off. So I'm a little concerned about future Willow. Something to keep an eye out for. Yeah, I need to make a prediction about this. I think Willow's <laughs> going to betray spike to buffy but anyway uh no phone calls from riley right it's been uh, this episode last episode riley hasn't he's heard he hasn't heard that joyce has passed and it's got he's nothing. in a jungle fighting monsters i think you give him some give him some rope that's what he uh, says you don't have reception in a jungle come on it was the 21st century barely <laughs> <laughs> it was the early part of the 21st century and riley was in a jungle that's a great thought of like Riley on his like uh like singular phone yeah. <laughs> in the jungle, like trying to get bars. That's I mean, a, I feel like nice he's like image. whatever, just place him in the Congo, whatever that movie. And like they totally had a weird satellite phone. Yeah. Powered by diamonds. <laughs> anyway, I'm bummed. It just means Riley's gone for good and like he's not coming back. And if he does come back, he's dead to us, basically. Because this is the episode where everybody who's anybody on the show has to like make an appearance in order to continue their importance. It's like you renew their membership on the show by coming up <laughs> to like hang out with Buffy or whatever. And like Riley's not renewing his card. He's not but, coming you, back. <laughs> but you know who does? Angel. Angel shows up after the funeral. Yeah. I was a little surprised Angel showed up. He's pretty busy brooding in his own show. Yeah. He's got his own show responsibilities to do. Like when he said, he's always there for a makeout session in a cemetery though. I can't believe they made out. That's such a huge mistake. I don't know if you make out with someone who's crying because their mom died. I think that's a dumb move. Yeah. (laughs) When you're like 200 years old, you know better than that. I would hope. It is funny because like, you know, Angel on his show is more mature than Angel on Buffy, but he's like, that maturity didn't transfer over to this guest star. Like after their makeout, he's like, Oh, Oh, we just made out. (laughs) (laughs) I laughed out loud and I should have included my great line or whatever is when angel promises that he'll stay as long as she wants or whatever. (laughs) Dude, stop it. (laughs) Then she's like, I mean, that whole scene is like a little bit too long of them together. I feel like I had to watch it like three times because I was like, what are they even saying to each other? Is this like she's talking about being needy and like, you know, they're just talking about their 
something. What are they even talking about in that scene? Just, I think I like the fact that they're together. I think that's at least interesting, but I know that this, this can't work. And I guess that's like kind of a tragic mini romantic scene. That's actually kind of kinder than a lot of the scenes they've ever been in together. It's true. I I felt like it was, it's Buffy being with somebody she felt feels safe enough with that she can stop. Like every, every, like that's her thing at the end is like, I can't stop. Uh, But it's like, it's her break. Uh, And it also gets her out of the house and like not worrying about Don for a good, like 24 hours, apparently. And did she just wait at the cemetery until (laughs) Angel showed up? Like, what time did they do a burial? That was like the like 10 a.m. or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she did. They did a day to night transition. That was of her just standing by her mother's grave. I mean, that's like totally like video gamey press hold X to pass the time and <laughs> until the next event triggers. I'm imagining her like taking a quick break, go to Chick-fil-A. Yeah. She's like, I got time. <laughs> Chick-fil-A. You think she's. <laughs> <laughs> and then angels got these weird vampire. This is, lies this, so is this is years before the boycott of Chick-fil-A. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Vampire um, lie. Sorry, I couldn't uh, get here sooner. <laughs> it's like you're fucking vampire, duh. <laughs> anyway. yeah. uh, so when uh, Don is looking at the history of witches book, um, two of the subjects she says out loud are the Age of Levitation and the War of the Warlocks. And uh, I just want to hear more about those ages. Um, yeah, Age of Levitation. I just imagine it's super easy to figure out who's a witch during that age. <laughs> so is that an age where all the witches, anyone with magical powers is levitating slightly? Is that what you're imagining? Yeah, I figure like, you know, it's like a fashion that went through. They're like, once they figured out levitation, all of the witches who could do it were just doing it all the time. Like, <laughs> like the pilgrims wear buckles and we levitate. <laughs> it was an age of levitation. I mean, it's like their version of Age of Enlightenment, right? So it's like the Age of Levitation uh, is like the age where there's uh, prosperity and optimism, right? It's like the witchy version of history. Isn't that what's more implied by by that? That's cool. I like that. So like for the first the time in a thousand years, new new spells were being cast. We were inventing new things. <laughs> so instead of, you know, medieval to renaissance, it's something like warlock to levitation and then to like. I don't know, steam. No, be something more magic-y sounding. Yeah. Maybe we never really hear about warlocks because like they've all been wiped out during the war of the warlocks. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) so, uh, Xander and Anya are having sex in Xander's apartment. And, uh, it's, I observed, uh, several episodes ago that Xander is ruining his own apartment with his own belongings. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and I, I feel like I have some strong evidence for that. And this, there's this one shot where behind them having sex is just a, a, just the bizarre arrangement of items. There is a large toy U-Haul truck. There is a really awesome vintage radio. There is a old man stack of newspapers. There is a jar <laughs> containing what I think is some kind of plant matter, but I can't really identify is this massive like pickle jar full of like, I don't know, mushrooms or something. There's a, a a working lava lamp, like his lava lamp is turned on. 
And then there's another another toy car. It's like a little red convertible. <laughs> and uh, finally, there's lots of uh, grief sex. That Those are the things in Xander's apartment. I like what your eyes are doing during this sex scene. You're like, <laughs> uh, don't look around. <laughs> I, I can't believe there's a branded U-Haul. What a weird choice. Yeah. I feel like uh, there's the weird joke here. Like, what is what does Xander bring to the second date? Yeah, <laughs> like he's yeah. All right. <laughs> like if you're gonna have toy cars or whatever, you want to have like cool cars. The U-Haul car, it's like people that collect those gas trucks or something. You know, it's like it's yeah, like it's weird, weird old man stuff, right? Like a stack of newspapers and a and, and toy cars. It just feels like uh, feels like old man stuff. I don't get it. <laughs> I like stacking newspapers by the bed. That's like a man that reads till he falls asleep. I like it. Do you think he does that? Do you think Xander's reading the New York Times as he falls asleep? It is an unidentified stack of papers. It does look like <laughs> just... <laughs> I mean, this is warehouse shit. I like it. But that jar of stuff... <laughs> it looks like it could be fermenting. <laughs> which would be pretty, like, progressive, I guess, in terms yeah. of fermentation. You know, like the culture of, um, you know, culinary culture around fermentation for him to be fermenting stuff here would be kind of cool. Yeah, he would definitely be ahead of the curve having a big jar of fermenting pickle stuff. But you wouldn't put that by your bed. That's insane. I think it's just a terrarium. It's just like. Oh, he's got a terrarium going. That's kind of cool, too. <laughs> so yeah, he's right. a terrarium in a pickle jar. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what, I, what I assume are rocks, it would be funny if those were like potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, John. This is excellent research. Just strange, strange set dressing choices. That's all. Do you, uh, the grief sex is that? Does that feel real to you? That feels real. It's it's interesting it for Anya to comment on it, so it has to be real. I feel like I've heard about grief sex in like penthouse letters or something. I don't think I've actually heard a human being report on grief sex. Uh, anyway, why does Ben care so much about the key? I'm surprised when he stabs Jinx. Like, Ben goes from, like, kind of, I mean, a somewhat sympathetic character, though he's a little off, and he's clearly a version of Glory in some way, but not clear yet. But then to, like, freaking stabbing Jinx when Jinx, like, is like, ah, oh, you tripped up your conversation. It reminded me of that moment in The Princess Bride where they're, like, trying to trick him. You know, they're, like, they're that, that game, that logic puzzle that they're playing, you know, um, with the guy that has the annoying voice, and he's balding, and I can't remember that character. It reminded me of that because like Jinx's the turn on, <laughs> on learning that like, oh, the key is in human form is, is fucking delightful. But then Ben's turn to like then stab him to death. Like after he discovers his lie, like, oh, sh shit. His 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 approach to stabbing him, though, is like really annoying because it's like, uh, you know, to what extent there's any moral problem with uh, stabbing a demon to death? He does is that, he but he also doesn't we accomplish he the is. goal. He doesn't accomplish the goal, though, of keeping Glory from learning the information. Like, if you're going to yeah. stab somebody, you should at least do it properly. Especially, I mean, you figure a doctor knows how to stab somebody to death, right? <laughs> also, that, that doesn't... We don't have our doctor off. on this episode to defend, but I figure, like, a doctor stabs you to kill you, he, like, knows what organs to hit. <laughs> so he wasn't <laughs> intending to kill Jinx. I don't know. No, it seems like it was just weak on his part. Like, yeah, if you're going to stab, stab all the way. Don't half-ass your stabs. 
I mean, it's just, it's, it is a little funny because, yeah. Anyway, Ben's a mess. And I'm sad to see it because this like totally turned my, I, like Ben was like somewhat sympathetic as a character to me and now not at all. Even though he stabbed a bad guy. Also, he completely verifies like the lie. Like he got caught in the like spilling the information. But when you stab someone, that's like, you're, you could definitely got it. You definitely, you learned the secret <laughs> shit. I got, I have to kill you. Like if in a conversation you learn some information and someone tries to kill you, you're like, oh, that was it, huh? <laughs> he is the weak uh, link. He's like worse than Willow in terms of weak links. I, I wanted to call out for a second, uh, just Giles sitting alone in his apartment, uh, drinking scotch and listening to the cream song uh, mm-hmm. that he made out uh, with Joyce during. Uh, yeah, that was a, that's a good moment. <laughs> Yeah, that's a very classic morning. And it's also a really nice, subtle callback. It's one of those great callbacks where, like, if you hadn't seen Band Candy, you wouldn't necessarily, like, not, like, you, like, you wouldn't, you still get the moment. But if you have seen Band Candy, it gives you, like, a, a really nice little nostalgic buzz for that episode. That's cool. Well, we know what part of Joyce that Giles was remembering. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so it's Spike finds Don in the graveyard on her own, digging up graves, um, which is, you know, something that happens to a lot of people's younger siblings. <laughs> um, uh, I just like Spike helping Don is like very motivationally ambiguous, but it also is like an argument for like why Spike should still be on the show. Like because you need this like chaos agent to help her do all this crazy shit. And no other character would do that. You know, if it, if it wasn't for Spike, it would be really hard to, like, believe all this stuff happening. Like her fighting demons on her own and stuff. Uh, so it's like, yeah, you need you need that agent to, like, move the plot forward. But, like, even his motivation is, like, totally unclear right <laughs> now. <laughs> I just don't like to see some of those women take it on the chin. That's super smart, man. I love that. That's a great read on that. So solo Dawn getting uh, whatever <laughs> doing this spell would be also pretty amazing and satisfying. Yeah, that would definitely level her up a couple, a couple levels. And we could incorporate some one of her friends from school. There could be a total Stranger Things style moment here, you know, uh, and then her friend can end up dead in another dimension. I mean, there's just so much. Justice for Barb. So uh, how about this uh, this guy who uh, plays the wizard, uh, this weird, creepy, uh, like apparently local old man wizard with a tail? Uh, mm-hmm. It's a really memorable performance. So I looked at the actor. Uh, he's in all kinds of things. His name is Joel Gray. Uh, he's I guess he's uh, best known as a uh, like a musical theater actor. He was in the original cast of Wicked uh, and I guess some other things. He was um, in uh, he was in Cabaret. Yes, he was in Cabaret. Yes, yes. Uh, and then uh, also, I didn't realize this, but uh, Jennifer Grey, who is in uh, Dirty Dancing and, uh, you know, Red Dawn and Ferris Bueller's Day Off, that's her dad. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, isn't that crazy? That is crazy. 
All right. Um, <laughs> but he was great in this. I just, I just, it's just a very memorable performance. He does, he yeah. pulls off creepy and like when he, when he once, when he tries to seem uh, sort of simp- like he has some sympathy towards Don, he seems like he's going to be this kind of sweet old man for a second. Uh, there's like those moments still have the undercurrent of creepiness in them. And I just feel like it's a nice, nice, uh, nice performance. I really enjoy, really enjoy him. Oh, I forgot to talk about it. In, I forgot to type it in the doc, but when he pulls her hair and is like, mm, nice DNA, she's a strong candidate. Like, whose DNA is he looking at there? Like, oh, you know, would he really have been able to see Joyce's? Because like. Right. You know, well, they said they made uh, Dawn out of Buffy, right? So, yeah, out of Buffy's blood. Is she sort of a clone? Like, is it just Buffy's DNA? (laughs) She doesn't look enough like Buffy. I don't know how they made her. Yeah. I mean, they definitely imply that she's from she is a Buffy, right? I mean, even in this episode, when they go down to the, you know, get the eggs and stuff, it's like. Spike is like, oh, getting bossed around, regular Buffy or whatever. Yeah, a <laughs> you know? bitty Buffy. <laughs> bitty Buffy. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. If Buffy dies, will Dawn become the Slayer? Okay, I'm going to make a prediction about that. Cool. Uh, so let me just talk about the Gora demon that they encounter for a minute. Because, first of all, that thing is giant, and it's totally bonkers that they built this huge... I don't... I was trying to look at any behind-the-sets, behind-the-scenes thing for this monster. Because they. it looks like this is just a one-off monster, and they built a giant thing for, like, five minutes of screen time. It's crazy. Um, and if you look at... I uh, In the doc, I took a bad screenshot. Sorry, it was just a fast one. Of its profile. And its profile looks a lot like like a vintage reconstruction of uh, a spinosaurus. Hmm. Like, <laughs> so that's kind of interesting. And then, um, except for its head is more of a dick. Uh, <laughs> and there's three of them. Three, and then you find out that heads. there's three of them, uh, which then Spike immediately calls it trip tit, which <laughs> is weird. Um, but it's called Gora. So I think that's probably named like sh- short for Ghidorah. Uh, Godzilla's main monster, you know, main main foe. Um, so I think that's where they got the Gora name from. But it's just an interesting. It's hard to tell based on because I assume that the creature isn't as large as they're as they're trying to make it look, you know. But it so it's a little hard to tell its size. But it looks like it's like the size of like a medium theropod, like smaller than a T Rex, but maybe about Allosaurus size, like 25, 30 feet long. So it's huge. Um, I don't know. It's just like a bizarre giant, like three headed dinosaur to just be hanging out in the, in Sunnydale that we haven't seen before. Yeah. Uh, and apparently they're just always there. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, the thing of it having three heads is also kind of like, um, a, what do you call it? What's that Greek myth? A Hydra. It's kind of like a Hydra reference, which is, makes sense for the re- resurrection thing. Cause you can't really kill a Hydra. Right. Right. Uh, so it's an interesting monster that like I forgot was in this episode because they don't make a big deal about it. But it seems like an incredible amount of effort to put into this giant monster for like so little screen time just to make just to grab some eggs. Which Don immediately breaks um, that totally. Do you guys remember that dumb that last Chris Farley movie Almost Heroes? Yes. Yes, I do. That's a, <laughs> not a good movie. There's like the same thing happens in that where he has to get like eagles. He has to get eagle eggs and he keeps like breaking them. So he has to keep <laughs> going, 
keep going back up the tree and getting attacked by eagles. <laughs> it's a silly scene and not a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> Is that his last film? I, for some reason, I thought it was Beverly Hills Ninja or something, but Almost Heroes. All right. Yeah, is this not a, a good movie. Okay, don't watch. <laughs> not but- in the Rex. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Willow's shoes are on her own bed. Uh, Travis isn't here to point that out. I know he would have been bothered by it. Second time <laughs> this season, she's got shoes on the bed. Willow's worst character traits this season are shoes on the bed and not respecting other people's jobs. Uh, and weird, like, enabling. <laughs> yeah, and enabling. All right. Well, it's not doing great this season. That's all. <laughs> weird, weird resurrection enabling. So disappointing. Even after and enabling all the warnings. Spike. Yeah, she's... I do love, like... Uh, that's something we haven't really talked about. Everybody is just constantly warning her. They come back wrong, and she's just like, I'm still going for it. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody fucking listens when you're trying to resurrect somebody. I, so speaking of resurrections, so excited to see zombie Joyce come back and fuck with everyone's life. <laughs> why not? I'm I was OK. All the acting, everyone's the the way they portray this situation where Joyce comes back and like knocks on the door. So good. Mm-hmm. It's like this perfect little play. I just wanted a little bit of gore to like just bring it up and that they left some of that out is probably a. Smarter move for horror in general, but I just wanted to see a little bit of a dumb move of a, a zombie demon entering the house. And well, yeah. so it, disappointed. It, it's interesting. The uh, she really didn't come back as herself because the actress who plays the feet walking through is not Christian is not Christine Sutherland. Um, <laughs> so uh, so she really didn't come back. And I think probably the actress was done with the show, so they probably couldn't have done like a zombie Joyce, even if they had wanted to. At least not this soon. Yeah. I mean, is that why they like made the choice? I mean, assuming that they didn't have access to the actress. Cause like, I don't know. I mean, it seems it would have been cool, I guess, but it's, I think if you're going to bring back a zombie Joyce, that's an entire episode. Like of her being a zombie, you know? Right. Like her and the football zombie hanging out together. No, I'm totally in for an episode of Zombie <laughs> Joyce. In fact, I thought there was a chance that we might get something Aww, like that. Do you think Zombie on- Joyce and Zombie Pat could be friends again? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, that might be yeah. the best possible outcome. They're drinking schnapps and it's like falling out of their, you know. Well, because once you get one zombie, right, like, let's get the whole town that's been killed mysteriously and revive the rest of them. I mean, how many eggs did that thing have? Probably enough. <laughs> At least a couple more, yeah. <laughs> With those things in cages, and let's resurrect the town. <laughs> uh, that's good stuff. Um, like, I deeply relate to Buffy's sudden switch, where she's like, I know this is wrong, but, like, the second she has the real opportunity, it's like, no, I want to see my mom again. Like, I'll get that, that <laughs> more into that in deep thoughts, but, you know, I'm feeling it. That's all I'm saying. I'm feeling where they're coming from. All right. Uh, Why don't we move to questions for the group? Questions for the group. Well, the last couple episodes have, um, you know, because we do this on this weekly cadence, I get a lot more time to think about some of these issues than I would like. 
sometimes. And the last couple have been about Joyce, including this one. So it comes up about, you know, I start thinking about how I want to be buried or celebrated, especially as it comes up in this episode. Um, how would you like to be buried? How would you like your body or your remains to be looked after after you die? I don't want to be buried in a pet cemetery. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think probably like most people, you don't really, I think a lot of people probably just don't care. It's like do, do the cheapest, most expedient thing as far as burial goes. But like, I think the, the better question is yet you, what you have here is like, how, how do you want to be celebrated? Right. And I don't know if I have a good answer for that, but one thing that like has occurred to me as we are making this podcast is that there is now dozens and dozens of hours of me talking and you guys talking, which might be the, like, if I, if I were to die tomorrow, might be the best record of me as a person that's out there. And I have this horrible fantasy of like people who like, I know who like, you know, after I die, who didn't listen to the podcast, then going back and listening to the podcast. Wow. Uh, which uh, is, is uh, maybe more pressure than we need while we're recording, but uh, that has occurred to me before. I don't know what John thought about this, but I know what his opinions on Buffy were. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. Uh, <laughs> that's really interesting, John. I, um, it's true. <laughs> you know, I've thought about this, obviously. And, uh, like... What happens to my body doesn't really matter that much to me. You know, you can put me in the grinder. I don't, like, care that much. Um, Wood chipper, great. Cool, renting it. Put you in the grinder. <laughs> What's that from? Uh, <laughs> What's that from? <laughs> Not from anything. It's just a Travisism from the past. That's out of context. Or, uh, anyway. But, um... I, do, I would, like... I'd like a wake. I, I like those. Like, a good Irish wake. That was... I think the nicest thing we did with mom was like, you know, we rented out like a, um, a room in a, a restaurant and like, you know, everybody comes and they drink and they tell stories about the person. Like I'd be up for, you know, just, uh, either have it at somebody's house to rent out a room with an open bar and, uh, just get everybody get drunk and tell terrible stories about me. That's what I want. Um, that's all I want. Uh, but you know, I don't think. <laughs> don't put a lot of money into my burial though it seems like a waste of money to me i like how you said john earlier about how it's something that people don't think of and so you know we can't imagine being dead and so we don't and so it's always like it deferred to someone else to figure out this stuff most of the decisions like I feel like every time I walk through a cemetery, I'm like, nobody thought this through. This is what is this? This is just the most random pile of stones, the weirdest arrangements. Like even when you see there are these um, there's a cemetery near where we live now and there's like some Russian graves. And I don't know, except that they're in the Cyrillic, but also like there's these images of people like based on photographs that are on the, the tombs. Right. And like. I don't know why someone would want to be buried with an image of themselves as their oldest <laughs> known photo. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I, I don't want a photo grave headstone. I think I, I kind of like this fantasy of cremation and then having the remains put somewhere interesting. Now where that is like, I, I, that I would like a little bit of buyer's choice or, dealer's choice you know like where do you think it, where would i like i don't know 
I'm one of these impulsive humans that thinks about stuff and then doesn't. So, you know, be spontaneous slash don't be a dick and get rid of these. Romances. <laughs> don't be a dick. Uh, Travis isn't here. And I recall he also said cremation and then volcano. So. Oh, check them into a volcano. Like after active, find an active volcano. Yeah. There's uh, a thing some folks do now of, I guess, a cremation and then put into fireworks. Oh. Just That's an option. Like deeply sad, because like a fireworks kind of like, you know. That's, what about just, can we just do Viking, the Viking burial for all of us? Just do that. Yeah, that's a followed good one. By, that's a classic. Followed by ceremony. Yeah. I also like the tree thing, you know. The tree sure. thing? Like, uh, there's like these tree pods people can do now where it's like, um, your body basically becomes mulch for a new tree. Like that's kind of groovy. Um, great. So next question, another one on death guys, just gotta, let's, let's just go there. Now, clearly the way this episode's set up, it is not worth bringing someone back from the dead. There's, they come back different, but is it ever worth it to bring someone back? Now, movies and, I think, books, literature, would lead you to believe that, no, it is never. <laughs> well, I think, <laughs> you know, it, it was good when Gandalf came back from the dead. He leveled up to the next level. Yeah. He kept Gandalf the, the white. Uh, or oh, yeah, Jesus. Jesus. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a strong reaction. <laughs> I was pretty sure there was no good resurrections. Whatever, bringing someone back. Z- isms. You're, like, for, you're forgetting Gandalf. our Lord and Savior. No, but there is Gandalf. Yeah, <laughs> I just mentioned him. But you know what? There is nobody's like <laughs> ah Spock. Yeah. Okay, I don't know the Spock story so closely, but with Gandalf, <laughs> like no one's the actively bringing Gandalf back, right? No one's like, oh, Gandalf's gone. Let's cast the resurrection spell of unknown consequences to bring Gandalf back. He might be different. Like right. Gandalf just comes back on his own. He fights through hell or whatever and comes back. Jesus just comes back. Nobody's like, cast the spell. You know? Like, <laughs> and, and I assume, I'm sure with Spock, there was some kind of deal made, right? It's fairly complicated with Spock. Yeah. It took a whole movie to do. Yeah. And involved a forbidden planet. Yeah, we could have a whole separate p- podcast about Katras. Uh, I, th- I think. In fiction, occasionally it's worth it. No, but I, I I see your point. I think I think from a storytelling point of view, obviously, as soon as your characters can defeat death with good outcomes, that sort of uh, sabotages drama, and so you probably don't want to do that. Every, I mean, every single superhero has died and come back, but yeah, those are not good stories. So <laughs> you heard it here. I'm against superhero stories. I'm done with them. <laughs> but resurrection, I mean, this this is always going to be a story, right? The idea of bringing someone back because death is so unknown. No one understands it. And we all want to undo it. So it's like, this is a classic story. And it's always worth it to try if you can to cheat death, right? Like, if you can do it equals must do it is like how these formulas play out. Despite any warnings, like if we can cheat death, we will. Yeah. And so if there was a way to do it, we would have, we'd be doing it. <laughs> uh, I, so I guess 
the only simple argument is I wouldn't say, is it ever worth it? It is always worth it. <laughs> it's like the not so crazy, but reality of this. Like, is it worth it? Yes, always. And then if they're fucked up, if they're damaged, if there's something weird, I don't care. We we always are going to do, we have to. I'll deal with a little rot to be yeah. alive again. And I think I was initially disappointed with Don's decision, but I think Dennis, that moment where Buffy switches, code switches, like, it totally, that's the truth. And I think the truth comes out here and it's really powerful. That moment's so powerful, that switch. And like, that totally got me for this episode. Like, I feel like I know the outcome of this story every time. And that one just like, oh, that's so good. It's, it's the honest truth of it. And they really, they really nailed it with right at the end too. When you think, think it's just going to be a zombie story that's going to punish Don for breaking rules. And then it ends up with the like, being a sister story and you know they're sharing the loss of their parent oh so good that sounds like a good transition into themes and deep stuff mike deep stuff not that deep but i think the one of the nice things about the structure of this episode is like the a plot is resurrecting joyce but the b plot is just everybody mourning slightly differently yeah and i think it's <laughs> it's neat to see uh this like spectrum of mourning that people are all handling it in their own ways and you know like uh giles drinks about it and thinks about when he slept with joyce and uh you know xander and anya have sex about it uh i like the um that willow is journaling like that's kind of cool, a uh, neat little image of 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 what helps her, uh, and then Spike brings the flowers and uh, does something really ill advised. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I guess you, in the like five stages model, you could say that uh, Don is in stage three, which is bargaining, right? Yeah, as a matter of fact, the um, the writer of this episode, uh, Marty Knoxon, wrote this one. Uh, she is quoted as saying that's exactly the, the her premise for the episode was that she thought that um, that Don would be in the in the bargaining stage. And, and you know, uh, you live in the hellmouth, you can bargain kind of literally. Right? Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and yeah, that's what she said. She says if, if, if we all live in the hellmouth, we'd all be doing exactly this. Uh, and that she uh, she based the story on the monkey's paw. Oh, yeah. That's fine. I didn't even think about the monkey's paw. Um, yeah, I think like I get I get what's going on feeling wise you know um and i get like the thing of like in a story of like everybody keeps telling you this is a bad idea but you're like and yet i am proceeding um, <laughs> uh and it's like it's a it's a cliche but it like emotionally it strikes true if that's what you're going through you know um like one thing i remember really strongly from like my mom's viewing right at the end was like the sense of like i'm literally never going to see her again you know mm-hmm. And like, <laughs> like there's nothing, there's nothing you can do beyond that. Like this is like when the casket closes, literally I'll never see this person again. Right. Um, but if you can change it, why not? And I like later started to think about uh, the idea of like seeing my mom's ghost, which um, like I'm not, you know, I'm ghost agnostic, I guess. But um I, I don't know. I was like, what would my reaction be to seeing her ghost? And I just realized like unequivocally, it would be like, I would be happy to see my mom, even in ghost form. Like I thought about like, 
I think that's something maybe people think about is like, if you saw a ghost, would you be afraid? And I was like, I would just, I could not foresee myself being afraid of seeing my mom's ghost. Unfortunately, Ray Parker Jr. Like really got that question in our brain. Are you afraid of no ghosts? So we got no choice. But the, it's about fear. But I, I like what you said. Like if you see your mom's ghost, like happiness. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like seeing a random ghost would be scary, but like seeing the ghost of a loved one, I just can't imagine that being a scary moment. Um, which is of course how a demon would trick me, but, uh, you know, yeah. Uh, like, um, my, somebody I know, uh, lost a, a child and she said like a neighbor had been, vi- had been visited by, you know, their image and she hadn't. And it hurt her a lot. That, like why, you know, why is this ghost visiting a neighbor and not me? But uh, I don't know. That's just how ghosts be. Uh, if ghosts be at all. But there's something, I don't know. There's something about that, about it not visiting the person who wants it the most. I don't know. Well, that, I mean, that's, that's a separate issue. Yeah. I feel like that is a separate so issue. you got the issue of like, do you, how do you feel when you see your parents ghost? Amazing. That sounds great. Ghost, ghost of your parent, the person you want to see the most who is passed on visits a stranger or a neighbor. Like why? That's a mistake. It clearly me, <laughs> uh, was the, the other person have a strong relationship with the ghost baby or ghost kid? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a close neighbor. It was, yeah. This is this feels like more of this like tantalizing beyond the grave kind of stuff where it's like, you know, we, we you can't resurrect the person. And so like literally you can't have it. And then we're going to give you a taste of it and it goes to the, someone else like th- that's like that's some serious curse stuff, man. Where yeah, it's like it's some monkey spa. Oh, yeah. Your mom came back, but she visited a neighbor like why <laughs> <laughs> to torture you because you can't ever be with that person again. And this is just a grief visiting you in a new way. Yeah. The same thing happened with, uh, cause I was doing caregiving for my grandma also before she passed and somebody else who was doing caregiving for her was visited by her and I wasn't, but I was like, okay, you know, maybe this person does feel like they have a better relationship with my grandma than I do. Mine's more complicated. Hers was more like simple. I don't know. Uh, I'm sorry. This is not actually to do with the episode really, but just about like, Seeing a person after they die. Um, well, you thought of a great version of the story. So Joyce comes back and appears to Anya. And then, boom. <laughs> and then Anya's like, I saw your mom, Buffy. That was weird. And like, uh, cue uh, Buffy murders Anya. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it would be Anya, too. I, that's like the least interested in seeing Joyce slash would know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Is that it for themes and deep stuff? I think maybe we're good there. All right. Let's move on to recommendations. Recommendations. So the classic, the gold standard for like, we brought them back wrong is Pet Cemetery. The original Pet Cemetery, starring uh, Fred Gwynn from um, The Monsters and uh, Tashi R. and this creepy little cute kid uh, who's a corpse. Um, I, I mean, I think it's one of the like probably top five Stephen King movie adaptations. Um, it's got a soundtrack by the Ramones. The movie's excellent. 
Uh, I can't like if you're gonna watch a Stephen King movie about grief, watch this one. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Movies about grief tit that I'd, I recommend. Uh, <laughs> Like, uh, this is the book, actually, that Stephen King wrote himself into, like, he wrote a scene that freaked himself out so much that he put the book away for a year. Hmm. Uh, it's the funeral of the kid when they knock over they knock over the small casket and the body rolls out. He was like, whoa, what the fuck did I just write? Because <laughs> uh, it's, disturb- it's disturbing. And so he puts the book away for a year and he comes back and finishes it. Um, I am also recommending uh, the 2017 movie Personal Shopper with Kristen Stewart. And this was the movie where I was like, oh, she's good. She's actually good. Um, But so the plot is like she's a personal shopper in Paris for a celebrity, but she's doing this job because it's where her twin brother died. And so she is trying to communicate after um, with her brother after the grave. And she has psychic kind of connections. And it was one of the best movies I saw in 2017. And uh, it had really spooky, like, um, the ghost stuff was done really well. This is, I guess, what I'm going to say. So it's solid. Um, and because of the Gora Demon, I'm going to recommend Godzilla vs. Monster Zero, which I'm super excited to, to recommend because you don't get to recommend a lot of Godzilla movies during Buffy. Uh, <laughs> but this is the sixth Godzilla movie. It's made during the show era. It's the second Ghidorah movie but it's the best Ghidorah movie. Aliens from Planet X have a problem with this monster called Monster Zero, so they abduct from Earth uh, Godzilla and Rodan, who are Monster Zero One and Monster Zero Two, and have them fight on Planet X. And it's awesome. And maybe these aliens have another motive that involves owning three monsters. Uh, It's uh, directed by Ishiro Honda, who directed the original Godzilla, and is probably the best kaiju director. Uh, so it's, it's really strong. It's a lot of people's favorite Godzilla movie. I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's definitely a very fun one. All right. Those are my wrecks. So let's move on to predictions. Virgin predictions. Okay, predictions. Michael Poli, you have a 63.92% accuracy at the moment after a really nice run uh, last episode that we recorded. And your episode, your accuracy for season five currently stands at a 71.43. So, uh, some things to talk about this episode. Back and- at the beginning of this season... Michael, you predicted that a supernatural monster will appear at Joyce's art gallery. We could take care of this later, but I think uh, since there's no more Joyce, there is going to be no more Joyce's art gallery, and we're going to go ahead and deny this one. Get that out of the way. You predicted season five, episode eight, that Joyce will appear on an episode after she dies. So, Dennis, what do you think? We see Joyce's uh, feet uh, in this episode. Is she appearing in this episode? Uh, yeah. I'll give it to him. I think so, too. So we're going to go ahead and confirm that Joyce has appeared on an episode after she dies. Wow. Thank you. I'm surprised. <laughs> uh, you predicted appearance. season five, episode 14, just a handful of episodes ago, that Buffy will try to resurrect Joyce. Now, 
I suppose it's possible this could still happen, but I think we can go ahead and deny this one. That I don't think Buffy's going to try to resurrect Joyce after uh, Dawn failed. So that you were so close on that one. You were so close. This, by the way, was a super prediction. So that counts <laughs> as five incorrect predictions. I see you have a highlighted one uh, up in season three, episode eleven. Did you miss that? Oh, I might have. Season three, thank you. Episode eleven, uh, way back in season three. Uh, this isn't the last time that Joyce tries to, quote, understand Buffy. Also, she's not going to understand Buffy. She'll comically and adultly misunderstand her. I think that might have been the last time Joyce did that. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I mean, I feel like she did come to understand Buffy more, but she never had that, like, that scene never happened. The like, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, so I would call I that think a denial. that's denied. What do you think, Dennis? Yeah, I think that's a denial. Okay. Uh, season five, episode 16, Joyce will get a funeral. And so she did. Joyce got a funeral. That was a super prediction as well. So you lost a super prediction, but you also, you gained one. <laughs> and the finally, net result is better. <laughs> in that same one, uh, season five, episode 16, you predicted that Angel will attend Joyce's funeral. Now, Angel kind of missed the funeral he tried his best to go but it was in the daytime what could he do i don't know dennis what do you think did angel attend the funeral or did he <laughs> kind of roll in after everyone gone home i'm willing to give this to him because in spirit he did his best like yeah, right he did his best <laughs> he is there at the graveside while buffy still is who's to really define when a funeral ends that's a good uh, point that's a good buffy point yeah, wasn't buffy's gonna still let it there. At the graveside. So maybe the funeral doesn't officially end until everybody, until everybody goes home. As long as uh, Buffy's still standing there and hasn't uh, gone to. Chick-fil-A. Which means that technically Buffy made out at her own mom's funeral. That's a good point. Hadn't thought of that. It's a bit creepy. That should have been a prediction, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, that's a whole smattering of confirmations and denials. Let's see what that does to your score. Okay, so it looks like uh, with all of those different confirmations and denials, your scores have dropped just slightly. Your overall accuracy has dropped from uh, to a 64.77, and your accuracy for Season 5 has dropped to a 68.29. It's all friendly game of Buffy predictions. <laughs> It's all just for fun, guys. I like that you're going to fight the angel attends the funeral thing. I think I was going to lose my mind if that was rejected. You're like, even when I'm right, I don't get a point. What I should do is, like, I I would like to temporarily pause predictions until Travis returns. (laughs) So, of course, I have some new predictions. Um... I'll go through them. So the first prediction, I think Buffy's going to take Joyce's room. I think she's going to, I mean, she's going to take possession of the house, but I think an interesting thing that could happen and should happen is Buffy's going to move into Joyce's room. I know the show could be precious about Joyce's room and be like, oh, it's mom's, but I think Buffy should take it. Uh, This is a weird one, but Buffy talking about like, um, you know, with Angel about kind of where she's kind of feeling lost and stuff. I'd like Buffy to go on on a journey of some kind and come up, come back stronger. I'd like Buffy to go to Europe. She can't go to South America because that's where Riley is. And so inevitably they'd have to end up together. Australia is where the first layer is. And that would be weird. Can't go, can't go to the outback. 
uh, that would invite that kind of yeah first Slayer that like primal Australia is totally a vision of like a New Zealandy Australia kind of like vibe. So I, think I don't think they she, ever define it. That's definitely I. I always assumed it was Africa, but uh, oh Africa, well she ain't going to Africa, Australia, or China. <laughs> She's gonna go to Europe. Buffy's gonna go to Europe. She's going to get a URL pass and find herself on the train. I'd like that for her very much, actually. An episode of Buffy on trains. So good. Uh, one of Don's friends is going to get kidnapped. So Don doesn't have any attachments to this world right now. Don needs some friends fast. And Willow and Tara, they feel inappropriate to me, though the show may continue to use them as her friends. I don't like it. I would like Will, uh, Don to get some friends of her own. Um, and those friends then will be used as stakes against her <laughs> to raise the stakes. We saw so. a little bit of a friend last episode in the bathroom. Do we, did that friend get a name? I don't think so. Yeah. Not that I recall. Okay. So I would like some Don's friends to appear. Maybe that's her friend, her bathroom friend. Um, Willow will suggest to Buffy that Spike isn't bad. She's going to take that little nugget of Spike uh, you know, connecting with Joyce and she's going to turn that into a story in her brain about Spike's not that bad because Willow's an important sage or wisdom for Buffy to like enable her to do whatever. And I, I think that that's like the little straw that'll break the back that allow, Will, you know, Buffy to get in with Spike. So that's going to happen. And then my super prediction, this one's crazy, but based on some stuff that happened this episode, I think Don will become a slayer. It wouldn't make any sense, <laughs> but I think the show is going to going to find a way for Buffy to die. I think I have that prediction, right? She's going to die again. And then that creates another Slayer. And then if Don becomes that Slayer, heck yeah. Then we've got two super Slayers fighting together side by side. I love it. I don't want another uh, Jamaican Slayer or another Faith or whatever. But I, I didn't say they're going to be fighting side by side. I just, Don will become a slayer. So like... Yeah, got it. Yeah, Don will become a slayer. That's how it's, as, as it has been recorded in the predictions log. Great. All right. Uh, thank you guys for talking with me about Buffy. Uh, I've been your host, Dennis St. John. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Dennis Comics. That's D-E-N-I-S-C-O-M-I-X. Uh, you can buy my books like Land of Many Monsters and Many More Monster Tales and Amelia. And I got some new stuff. I got Dennis St. John's Monster Club comics and Monsters Mugshots, my Buffy fanzine. Uh, they're going to be available at SPX. And by the time this airs, they might be available online. I'll let you know. Um, Michael, where can people find your YouTubes? Yep, YouTube channel MP197400. <laughs> Watch out, folks. I'm still... Uh, getting situated, but some videos. Cool, cool. Uh, all right. Uh, thank you one and all for listening and talking to us at Buffy Virgin. Uh, you can visit our website, buffyvirgin.com for links to our blog, our YouTube, our Twitter, and Instagram. Reach out. We love to hear from you. And don't forget to rate and review us on the podcast listener of your choice. And we'll see you in hell. <laughs>